Welcome to the show, episode 102, Straight Up Chat, with my guest, Laura Garnett. Hey friends, welcome to episode 102. This is Paul Averill. We're talking on this show about physical health, mental wellness, and financial wealth, and an array of things all to do with those three pillars of living, which I see as really important to really being fulfilled in life. And I'm doing that with interviews with awesome humans, such as today's guest, Laura Garnett. Laura is a performance strategist, TEDx speaker, and the creator of The Genius Habit. She works with CEOs and execs to identify their unique genius and purpose and crafts an actionable plan to leverage them in their day-to-day work to achieve great things. She's consulted with organizations like Capital One, Pandora, LinkedIn. Prior to launching her own company, New York City-based Garnet Consulting, she honed her marketing strategy and career-refining skills at companies like Capital One, American Express, IAC, and Google. We talk today about your zone of genius, identifying your zone of genius. Maybe you find that you're in a job that you like but don't love, or maybe you find you're in a job that you hate, or maybe you're in a role that you know has great potential, but you don't know how to action that potential. Or maybe you yourself know you have great potential, but don't know how to find that or take action on that. We get into a lot of detail about the book, The Genius Habit, in this interview, so stick around and listen for that because there's some gold in there. I really quickly want to mention an online course that I touch on in the interview that myself and my business partner have developed. It's about optimizing your life, optimal living. And I'll give you more information about that at the end of the show. So stick around for that. In the meantime, let's talk with the wonderful Laura Garnett. Here we go. Well, Laura Garnett, thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me here. I'm delighted to be here. I read that you wake up every morning excited about your role in the world, which I love. What's your purpose or passion? How do you how have you come to do what you love and will love and love what you do? Well, I I love that question. So my purpose is helping people see themselves for who they really are and bringing that forward in their careers. And that um, is the impact that is absolutely hands down the most meaningful to me. And then how do I, how did I create work that I love? Well, it's actually my work. (laughs) Um, But essentially, you know, I was in the corporate world for 12 years, ended up getting laid off and then decided to create my dream job because I kept finding myself in jobs that weren't a great fit. And I identified this issue of how do I, how do I find work that's, that inspires me, that I love, that I'm able to create great success in, and I couldn't find any information that would help me create that. So then when I got laid off, I, I decided, let, I'm going to solve this problem and in the process, build my dream job. And that's essentially what I did. So I built a methodology and a body of work around helping people create work that they love. So what was that crisis point in your career? I mean, how did that feel to be I mean, 12, 13 years is a long time in a role? Did you feel that there was security in the role? Was it a surprise that you were going to get laid off back then? Yeah, well, I had started, I was with a company called Capital One for seven years. And with them, I had a pretty good ride. And in fact, I 
I would say that there were moments where I loved what I did and I got up excited to go to work, but I never experienced the joy or the fulfillment that I have now. I kind of knew that that might be possible, but I didn't have a crisis actually until I started working at Google, which is slightly ironic because it's considered one of the best companies in the world to work for. But I had my massive career crisis there Hmm. and it was very, um, unsettling for me because I had never hated work. And so I started hating work for the first time and that, and I just got really curious about it. And I, you know, I decided I did not like operating in that way. And I just didn't like going to work. So I, yeah, I started researching ways I could get myself out of that situation. And I kept trying to find other jobs in the company and I kept going around in circles Um, that eventually led me to do my own thing. But that that career crisis was not fun. No, no. Because you write about that. You talk (laughs) about how people will just jump from job to job or even role to role within the same company looking for something. But they never really find it and they never really get that fulfillment. So and I reckon we're going to dig into that a little bit. I'd like to ask you some questions around that a little bit about the fulfillment part of it. But I I want to mention the book first because I've just read, I've got to say, I haven't finished it, but I've read most of it. And it's pretty good. Uh, it is pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> and as, as I said before, we, well, you, you have a baby, so reading period is a massive undertaking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's 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 open on my desktop, so it's open quite often. Uh, the genius habit. So let me ask you this: How can this one habit, the genius habit, radically change your work and life? In other words, like, why did you write the book specifically? Right. Well, I wrote the book because in the process of my career crisis and then in the process of building my dream job and figuring out the science of great performance and success, I realized that there there was a lot of research there. There is there's a way to do it that most people just aren't aware of. Mm. The habit, the genius habit is a culmination of all of the research and the science, the psychology of performance and success whittled down into a very simple practice that you do week over week that will allow you to easily learn um, what's really important for success rather than spinning in circles and being confused by all of the misinformation that we typically get from society around success. Mm. So that's how it helps you make a remarkable shift. Good, yeah, there's a lot of sort of there's a lot of neuroscience behind it, there's psychology behind it, and it's very practical as well. It's a lot of activity in the book, which I love. So it's well, what it was is it's the answer to how. So mm. what I struggled to find was, you know, there was a lot of research and information, but there was very little on how. How do I operate differently every day? What are the behaviors, the daily behaviors that are also linked to achieving a different outcome, mm. i.e., work you love and great success. And so, you know, that's, that's kind of the book is the how, and that's, that's aligned with my genius as well. Ah, great. Figuring out that. You mentioned your genius. (laughs) That took me to exactly to the next question. So yeah, you tap into the zone of genius. That's kind of the theme through the book is, is really identifying your, your zone of genius. And maybe we could break that down. What's the zone of genius? Well, the zone of genius is comprised of two things, which is your genius and your purpose. Your genius, and the reason that it's comprised of two things, because in my research on performance, great, per, great individual performance is made up of two data points. 
what is going to challenge you in the best way possible and what is going to fulfill you. Mm. And so the genius and the purpose um, answer those two data points for yourself. So the genius is the kind of thinking or problem solving that you're best at. Mm. And the purpose is the impact on others or in the world that is most meaningful to you. And so by understanding those two data points about yourself, um, you then have the essential ingredients of great individual performance that you can access at any point in time. Genius on tap. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and I always say once you know your zone of genius and you know, you know, start practicing the genius habit, then having a job you don't love is a choice. Okay. And versus okay. most people are feeling like they're a victim of circumstance or that getting a job you love is so lucky. And it's not. It's a choice once you have the right information in front of you. And someone may be in their, well, two things. Someone may be in their genius already and not know it, but they also may be in the job that they could happily be fulfilled in for years to come. They just haven't found a way to manage that. Absolutely. Well, they don't they don't know themselves, mm, mm, mm. which I think is one of the biggest barriers to to success is self-awareness. You know, and that's something we absolutely are not taught in school. Um, and self-awareness is, you know, that's what I learned right away in my research was knowing who you are is critical for great success. And yet very few people spend the time to figure themselves out or know who they are. They're most often trying to be someone that they're not. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that, you know, the zone of genius really, through understanding that you are building self-awareness, which is key. Sometimes and fun. Well, that's it. That, and fun. That's the, that's the key there. Yeah, it's got to be fun, right? I mean, Well, it's fun to know who you are. It's fun to know who you are and then go through the process of, accepting yourself, loving yourself, and valuing what it is that you you bring to the table. I found whenever I've done any, let's call it self-development, just to cover an umbrella term, yeah. it's actually yeah. really hard. It's fun when you get the outcomes and you see what kind of person you can become through that process. And once I think what I've found is creating that habit of self-awareness, yeah, that that becomes easier, but at the beginning, it's very hard because it's very challenging to challenge yourself and challenge your behaviours and your belief systems and even change them in many ways and and take feedback from other people. Did you find that you have, have you been on the similar journey yourself, where you've had to go and find that kind of feedback? Oh, absolutely. Well, that's a critical part of the genius habit as well is the self awareness and rewiring your brain, which is a key component of personal growth. Um, but my, in my own journey, what led me to being able to create this work and this methodology, the first stepping stone for me, once I got laid off and was kind of kicked out of the corporate world. Um, but it was such a gift was that I learned the, I learned how to be happy and that understanding. I mean, it was mind blowing to me at the time. Cause I thought, wait, you know, happiness is a skill. This is, this is another, this is a habit. Anyone can be happy. This seems crazy. And um, that was the building block for me then having the confidence to really stretch my comfort zone and create a methodology and be confident about, you know, what I was seeing and observing and drawing conclusions from that. And uh, absolutely. I mean, personal happiness is personal growth. It's all very hard work, but it's also it pays off in dividends. Mm -hmm. 
And um, it's, it's an essential part of being successful, successful in a way that I think is meaningful. There's an argument out there at the moment uh, that happiness is the uh, a very small percentage of living. So uh, the argument is, and it's, it's a Jordan Peterson, Peterson argument, that life is kind of built up of suffering and malevolence with happiness sprinkled up, upon it. And we, we <laughs> have these moments of happiness amongst that. And we, you know, by finding fulfillment amongst the malevolence, let's say, you, mm. you can find happiness. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think happiness is something that is a symptom of, um, you know, having to go and try and find it? Or should we just expect to have it? Well, I've learned that it's a, it's a, a habit. It's, it's an active, it's a practice of choosing to be happy. It's also a practice of um, managing your, your chatter and your mental messaging that's going on, the internal messaging that's going on in your brain. So from my perspective, I feel like happiness is available to all. Um, and again, similar to success or the genius habit, it's a choice. If you want to be happy, it's available to anyone. Now, of course, barring significant psychological um, disease, you know, sicknesses and, and Ill, psychological illness, um, you know, it is it's available to any functioning adult or person that's willing to do the work. That's how that's how I see it. I feel like everyone should be happy. <laughs> You're listening to Straight Up Chats, the Man Bits podcast. What's your number one tip for a fulfilled life? I think it's rewiring your brain. And what does that look like? Physically, it's actually just repeating messages in your head that are the opposite of the negative messages that you've been programmed to say and that you think is real but isn't and so you reverse them with messages that are more more reflective of the reality you want to live so for example if you're um if you grew up thinking that you're not uh, that you have no value it's actually rewiring your brain and saying a hundred hundreds of times a day i am i have a lot of value to add to the world it takes that effort 100 times a day i think is is realistic so you have to sort of really battle those neg- yeah the negative is much stronger than the positive it seems absolutely and that builds confidence and confidence i think is critical for achieving almost anything you want whose work has influenced your work along the way to get you to this place there's been so many because i'm constantly doing research but i will say the most important was mihalesha sex mihai who wrote I'm glad uh, you said that name because I couldn't even <laughs> fathom how to pronounce it. I've said his name so many times. It's it's a well-practiced thing for me because it was his book I think that was my first exposure to this concept of work being you know experiencing flow which he talks about and it was mm-hmm. this super moment of excitement and enjoyment about what you were doing. And, you know, he read, and I think this really stuck with me when I read his book, which is that people are happiest when they're working. And again, I was reading this when I was going through a a career crisis. And when I looked around, um, I didn't see that many people who loved what they did yet. Here's, here's a psychologist saying, you know, people are happiest when they're working. And I was like, this is, this is, there's something really wrong here. 
And uh, I just loved his book. I've read it many, many times. I go back to it all the time. It was, I think, flow that first kind of got me on this path of exploring and researching and trying to understand the how of, of peak performance and success. The book Flow, is there a dichotomy? Because when you talk about challenge, which we'll get to in a moment as part of one of those, let's call it, say, five key elements to this genius habit. In Flow, you, you say that Mihai, is that how I say his first name? Mihalei Shasaksmihai. That name. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll make sure there's a link to that book in our show notes anyway, for anyone who wants yeah. to read it. But in Flow, um, creating challenge, or, or attaining flow is found through creating challenge or working, like you said. Well, yeah. Well, flow is comprised of three things. You must have a goal. Um, that you are, you must have a goal that you're going for. You must have feedback on achieving that goal. And then you must be in this sweet spot of challenge. Mm. And when I read his book, you know, that's when I thought, oh, well, you know, find having a goal and getting feedback on that goal is pretty simple. And I see that a lot of people are doing that. But what I, what I really struggled with was the third part was this sweet spot of challenge. I had no idea what that was for me. And that was, um, that was the first kind of exploration. I, that's when I started digging deeper and deeper. And that's where the zone of genius and challenge work started to, to be born because I wanted to figure, I even read, you know, and I read his book and I couldn't figure out what that sweet spot of challenge was. Mm. So I thought a lot of people probably aren't, which is why not everyone is walking around in flow. Um, there's a, there's a hurdle here mm. that I'm struggling with that others are. And so then I started to just piece apart the challenge part more. And that's where I came up with the framework of the genius being the thinking or problem solving that you're best at. And so that kind of fulfills the challenge part of the performance principle that I talk about in the book. What's one thing that you've learned since school that you feel should be taught in school? Well, I think happiness, how to be happy. I think it's a foundation for everything. And it's definitely um, a component of the genius habit. But if someone is already happy, and I start working with them, and I bring all of these other concepts in, then they, they go faster than someone that doesn't know the principles of happiness. So I, I really think that that should be critical. That should be the a class and in, in starting from a very young age. Do you think that happiness sort of sits in the emotional awareness or emotional intelligence area? Because I think when you become more self-aware, you become aware of what level of happiness you have. I find if I observe somebody who's, say, not happy, they don't really know why in many cases. It's usually often a set, an external thing, right? Yeah, so absolutely. Do you think it sits in that emotional intelligence realm, happiness? Well, I definitely think so. I mean, it is, it's, it's the, the skill of learning to be happy is connected to self-awareness and then being able to take action from that awareness. Mm. And, you know, happiness is, it's also, I think, misunderstood because I don't think the goal is to be happy all of the time. I think it's to allow yourself to go through the emotions of life and be able to navigate them without kind of letting one fail, you know, something bad derail you completely. Mm. And I think the 
the main thing that you learn when you learn how to be happy is that it does come from within and it's not connected to external things. And mm. as a society, the American Australian um, societies, we are very much dr- driven by the external. We're taught to be you know, looking for money, success in these things for happiness, which once you learn, if you learn from a young age that happiness comes from within, then you're already starting off way ahead of the game. Mm. And those external things won't have such a hold on you. Or, you know, I think it, it can be misleading because you grow up and you think, oh, well, if I make money, then I'm going to be happy. And of course, as anyone will know that that is just not the case. Yeah, when I get the money, I'll be happy. When I get my house, I'll be happy. When I get the job, I'll be happy. When I find the right mate, when I lose weight, when I find the right outfit, when I buy the designer something, it's it, it goes on and on. And I think that is really the um, the the importance of the core piece of happiness, which then leads you leads you to the other, you know, building a job that you love and the genius habit stuff because you know that it comes from within. You're practiced at the art of looking inwards versus looking to the external, um, which, of course, you know, gets it gets in the way with career time and time again. I mean, we could spend a long time just talking about techniques on how to be more happy, but um, we're going to there's another direction I want to take us. And if anyone's wondering how you can be more happy, listen to the last 99, 100 episodes of the podcast. There's lots of information in there about that. in the genius habit you've sort of broken it down into five key elements and that's challenge impact joy mindfulness and perseverance yes i'm wondering maybe we could if you've got time to break some of those down just a little bit challenge for example i like how you wrote you're already using your genius and uh, maybe if you can break that down a little bit and, and how it works with challenge sure So, I mean, these are the five principles of great performance. And this is, you know, when I distilled all of the science and psychology, neuroscience, these were the key elements that are critical um, when building a career that you love and that you're going to be successful at. And challenge is basically, are you using your genius? Because if you are doing the thinking or problem solving that you're best at, you're going to have moments of being in the zone. You're going to be highly engaged intellectually, which is a key component to great performance. So in the the tool that I hand out in the book, the performance tracker for the challenge second challenge section, you're basically just asking yourself every week, are you using are you did you have moments of being in the zone? And if you did not. Um, how can you create moments, more moments where you can? And I think that's like that to me is one of the biggest, um, the biggest exciting things that I learned is that once, once you know yourself, you know your genius, you can then create proactively create moments where you're going to be on fire and excited, and that's what everyone wants. So it's it's finding innovative ways to bring your genius into the job that you currently have, or if you discover that's not possible at all, then that's a sign that it's time to move on. Yes, that's good. So you, so actually going, okay, well, actually, this isn't working for me. I need to make the change rather than just kind of thinking, oh, I'll just go another 20 years, I'll retire, and then I'll be happy. Or thinking that I'm not good enough, you know, that I there's something wrong with me because I'm not doing well in this job, which I think most people feel. And yet what it is, it's just that it's not the right fit for you and it's not the right fit for your genius. So it's, it can be an exciting, a very liberating um, 
conclusion to realize this is not the right job for you. It's time to move on. And equally exciting to say, hey, I can bring just with a few tweaks or reprioritization, I can bring my genius forward more often. And once you know what it is, you can put language to it, then it's much easier to figure out ways to use it. I've certainly been in that place and I know that other people have where I've been on a job and I think I hate the job. I think it's the job that's bad and or the job that's boring and or I'm incompetent or I'm lazy whatever it was you know I I thought that it was it was an external thing and it wasn't until I addressed I think it was a manager of mine and this was way back sort of we sat down in a in a performance review and he said look what's going on because you've got such potential there's such you've got that um, abundance of potential but I'm not seeing it and I can't see why and I think it took that was a little bit of a real conversation finally that I had that allowed me to go okay I think actually it's me <laughs> I think I need to change my mindset and change my view of my my own role and what I do in my life and I did the same job for the next four or five years uh, albeit a little bit change but I was perfectly happy in it after that it was just a decision you know, and I thought it was um it was just a very simple thing, but it took somebody, it took the feedback for me to actually make that decision. What was that shift for you? Was it that they saw your potential and in that moment you also saw it, which then somehow made work more exciting? So that was a confidence shift for it you. It was a confidence shift because I didn't really know I had any potential. It was a, I came from a place of uh, absolute self doubt, no confidence in my own ability, um, and a fear of, kind of a fear of success but there's you know there's a few I mean, if i you know without this show turning into a me show uh <laughs> if i look back into my personal development i've realized along the way that i um, did sabotage my success quite a lot there's a lot of moments where i did that and uh it was definitely a i don't feel good enough yeah. was my key the key core message i was telling myself and it was that that had to start to switch i wouldn't say that's completely changed me in that moment but it was one of those pivotal moments where i made a decision well and i think that's a great point um to make is that everyone feels that way and what i've discovered is that everyone has potential everyone has a genius and there is no there is nobody that can't add tremendous value to this world and to their own lives. And so that that's the very exciting thing is that this, you know, creating a, a career that you love and that you can achieve and have a lot of success is available to absolutely everyone. Um, but you have to know yourself and be willing to kind of take the step of, you know, digging deep or doing the work, getting a book, hiring a coach or whatever it is that's going to work for you um, to understand who understand that value so that you can articulate it in that situation. If you had said, hey, you know, here's my genius and here's exactly the value that I provide. I'd like to use it in this way. Most managers would be blown away because so few people know that about themselves. And I'm, I'm hoping that the book will change that. Oh, it will. It will definitely change that. <laughs> <I hope laughs> So that's that's a big part, the challenge part of the book. And then the yeah. next one was impact. So is that around purpose and fulfillment? That's around purpose. And it's really, you know, in the book, I help people identify what their purpose is. And what I've discovered is that it's linked to a core emotional challenge. And this mm-hmm. goes back to the self-awareness and, and digging deep into your psychology, into your background. But, every you know, everyone has baggage and everyone has core wounds. 
Um, and generally speaking, what I found is that there's always a massive mega wound or core emotional challenge that people have carried with them through their lives. And it always shows up and they have, they're usually people have not been able to put language to it. And what's so interesting is that once you know that core emotional challenge and you reverse it, or you're helping Mm -hmm. other people with that exact same challenge, that is access to endless amounts of intrinsic motivation, which when you research the science of success and success and having a job you love, intrinsic motivation is a must have. So you have to have that. So not searching for the rewards, like they the, say material reward. It's, it's exactly. just having some, doing something with meaning. It's doing something with meaning. And inherently, we're all wired to want that. I think every human wants to have meaning in their life and they want to make an impact. And, you know, what I what what I always battled with was this forced impact, like, well, you know, I need to go do charity work because it makes me feel better about myself. And while it might be somewhat fulfilling, what I discovered is that there was a there was a layer, there was something much deeper doing work that was intimately connected to something you experienced or you were challenged with ends up creating this energy within yourself that you would do it for free at at any time. And usually people already are. So that's the, the impact section is all about identifying that core emotional challenge and then figuring out how that plays a role in creating purpose in your life and then measuring it week over week. Are you having the impact that is most meaningful to you every week? And you start to look at the impact you're having, which most people don't. And, and, and usually there's impact there that you haven't even noticed and it makes you feel good about your, it, it brings out the intrinsic motivation. So it's, it sometimes is that simple, just looking for it. You're already having it or creating it and then being able to, to experience that as well. And joy is the next, uh, next principle. So that's happiness and maybe right. energy. But um, you're, something else I want to pick up on here is you say ditch your mentor in that section. <laughs> well, that one is really about breaking down these ideas that there are certain things that you must have in order to be successful. And these are messages that we've heard. And for some people, um, they have credited a, a, a lifelong mentor mentor for their success. So I don't want to take that away from anyone that has had that. But for most people and myself included, I've never had a lifelong mentor, nor have I had even you know a long-term couple year long mentor. And it hasn't been a problem for me. And I think the, so I bring that topic up because People should feel free to create um, a career journey that's that is a reflection of who they are. And if that, you know, if you're if you're lucky and you come across a mentor that wants to help you in a meaningful way, then that is amazing. But it's also learning how to structure that relationship to make sure that it's helping you be more of who you are and not leading you astray. A lot of mentors are volunteers and they can you know, very not, not meaning, they're not meaning to lead you astray, but they're going to give you advice and advice can often just be what worked for them. And they think they're helping you, but it doesn't resonate. And then you feel bad because this person's volunteering and you follow their ideas and then you're on the wrong path for yourself. So that, that, that relationship can be complicated if not managed well. So that, that's why I bring that up. It can be a great tool if you're aware of, if you're managing it in a way that's that's going to benefit you in the best way possible. And we see online 
well I do and maybe it's the algorithms I don't know but I, I see online constantly bombarded with you know you need a mentor you need a coach it's important spend you know got to spend thousands of dollars on mentors and coaches so I get that I get that it's it doesn't seem attainable for many people and then they give up before they even get started because they think well I can't get started because I can't afford to do a ten thousand dollar course or whatever right um so yeah so you're saying that you know what you've created here is something that people can just tap into it themselves it, it just takes a little bit of effort really it takes effort absolutely it takes a desire and I don't mm. want to take away because I think coaching can be me obviously I'm a coach so I think it can be mm. amazing um and a mentor can be great but there is no one set path and as you said yes the the intention of my work is that most of the answers to your questions and your problems are from within come from within and that the the actual things you need to do to be successful are readily available to everyone, which are the principles and following, you know, filling out the tracker once a week, everyone can do that and you will get an immediate shift in your career. Um, but I also think if you do want to invest in a coach, um, then go about it from a place of look for someone who's going to help you be more of who you are and don't look for quick fixes and don't listen to anyone that's telling you to do something that doesn't feel right. That is absolutely essential. Just like when you go looking for a therapist, say massage therapist or any other therapist uh, or coach, you might not find the right one straight away. You have to find, you have to search around and, and fish out the good ones. Exactly. Exactly. And so mindfulness, we've actually got a topic on our online course about confidence. And I think that comes from self-worth, you know, like really understanding where your self-worth and self-value is, as you, as you mentioned. So, yeah, that section of mindfulness, mindfulness I love because you dig into negative chatter. And yeah. I feel like confidence emerges once you silence the negative chatter. Yes. Well, and I think the mindfulness principle is all about being more aware. So checking in with yourself and being aware of the negative ment uh, the negative chatter that's that's affecting who you are and your belief system and then ultimately your career and your opportunity or even how you show up at work. So the mindfulness is all about really kind of paying attention to the messages you're telling yourself as well as triggers, those things that those moments that you experience at work. Um, where you're really upset by something that's pretty benign. And it's mm. when that happens, when you're triggered in that way, you know that it's coming from something from your past. And it's, it's an inflated sense of what's happening in the moment. And most people aren't aware of their triggers. There's so much conflict that happens in the office. And if everyone understood their triggers more readily, that conflict would easily be able, you would easily be able to get, get moved through it much faster. Um, because, you know, triggers are just something that's coming from something that's coming from the past, not the present. And the more you're aware of that, the more powerful you are and the more confident as well. From the mindfulness section of the book, I did find that it got me thinking about, because you mentioned about people holding on to antiquated ideas about the, we, the I'm not good enough myth, let's call it. Um, and, and then people end up putting so much work, they work more hours to sort of somehow compensate for this lack of feeling and lack of adequacy, this, and this feeling of inadequacy. And the work we've done in Japan, it made me think of that because there's a, there's a term over there, uh, which is death by overwork. It's devastating. It's called Kuroshi and it's um, people overwork, they work you know, 60 plus hours a week mm. 
to try and fulfill this uh, external need maybe it's the the society cultural uh, it, it is in the culture of japan to work really hard yeah people are really suffering for it physically mentally so this section on mindfulness is it's amazing because it really just reminds me how important it is what we're doing but how important it is to just switch off that negative chatter because it's not it's not the truth. That's the thing. I think people maybe forget that that's what they hear in their head isn't necessarily actually true. That's it's huge. It's it's not true, and yet you're operating um, automatically from it. So absolutely, and getting clear on that is a game changer. Is a game, and even you know when you're talking about some of the situation the situation in Japan, if you're not aware of your core emotional challenge, you could be trying to fill it through the external. So, you know, more success, more money, which requires you to work, um, insane hours. And you, you're, because you're never going to fill that void unless you heal it yourself. So that's an example of, you know, core emotional challenge, unawareness and how that can affect, you know, that's that you can be, you can be stressed out and work as you call it, death by working, which is pretty horrible. Yeah, it's awful. It's awful. Or be a workaholic, which, you know, there there's a ton of that in the U.S. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And uh, just working 80 hours a week. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And then perseverance. That's, that's the fifth uh, principle. And what I got from this is about failure and avoiding failure. So mm. why is failure a good thing? Well, for one thing, it's inevitable. And, you know, and I think that we, you know, as a society, we don't talk about failures. There's usually shame oriented with them. And I think it's we run away from it. We run as far away from it as possible. Exactly. I mean, it starts even in school. You know, if you get a bad grade, you're not going you're not sharing that with everyone. You're hiding that. And uh, failures are inevitable. And if you aren't failing, then you probably aren't pushing your comfort zone enough. And so the fact that, you know, if you're going out there doing stuff, failure is inevitable. It's key to learn from them and to be curious about them and to not let them derail you. So, you know, that was that was a, a really exciting um, thing that I learned is that, you know, wow, failures are just these these amazing things that we can learn from that are are stepping stones to wherever we're going to go. Why do we hide them? Why do we allow them to, to make us depressed or sad or take us out of the game even? And I think that is a massive, um, success barrier. So embracing failures, sharing them, not having shame with them, learning from them, growing from them. And once you have no fear of failures, um, then you know, you can push yourself even more. You can step out of your comfort zone. It, it's, it goes hand in hand. It's, it's, it's another um, amazing aspect of success that I think everyone can find very, uh, can find relief from because again, everyone experiences failure. Possibly it's about looking at what kids do because they do it really well. They'll fall over when they're trying to learn to walk, fall over, stand exactly. up, try again, fall over, stand up, try again. And they don't, tend to hang on the fact that they fell over the first time they just get up and try again and persevere well and also people that are you know that society has deemed highly successful usually we only see the 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 picture of them once they've reached that height and we don't hear about all of the missteps along the way and i I wrote an article about this for inc and i shared elon musk's 
you know, epic failures. And he's had a lot and he's continuing to fail right now. And his failures are ones that most people would never recover from. And yet he did it over and over again. And that's one of the reasons he is who he is. And I think that's important for everyone to realize and know that it's just part of the process. And the more you celebrate them and you feel actually um, that you're not derailed from them, the, the better. So thank you. That So, I mean, we've broken down a little bit of the book there. This doesn't even scratch the surface, though, guys. This is just a small percentage of the value and the, the gold that's in there. So check it out. We'll put the link into the show notes. We'll make it available for you. Uh, not a book that should not be on your shelf. It should be on your shelf. It should be in your hands, not on your shelf. <laughs> At the very least, in your house. So... uh I think I identified my zone and from your book, and it, it came out as the training results strategist. Oh, I uh, love that's it! That's the one I fell upon, and I, I, it fits. It fits really well with what I do. So, I, and that's when I feel at my element. That's awesome. Uh, that, that one in particular, and for those who, have, who are going to learn this by getting this book, is there's oh, there's so many on there yeah uh, and there are there are infinite geniuses so you can always come up with language for yourself and i i listed ones that a lot of my clients have to get people started but i would encourage everyone to feel free to create your own you know my my genius is an insight excavator so it's you know it's fun to create your own language or you can look through the list in the book and pick one there okay now as we draw to a close how can anyone connect with you Yes. Well, they can definitely go to my website, which is lauragarnett.com. And um, you can sign up for my newsletter. I send out a newsletter every two weeks and I offer free career advice. Um, I share articles. I write about six articles a month for Inc. and Forbes. And obviously, um, information about the book and tips and tricks there. So feel free to go there. Thank you. And what's coming up for you? I mean, what's your next you know, few months a year look like? Well, I'm discovering that as I go, um, a lot of opportunities, you know, I I think with the book, I'm hoping to just reach more and more people through speaking or doing uh, workshops around the book. But, you know, I'm already starting to do research on the next um, on the next body of work, which I'm really excited about. And that is how to raise your child in their zone of genius. Yes. Well, it's the perfect next step because um, it all begins from, you know, your core emotional challenge, who you are today is a result of the parenting that you received. And so I've been, you know, not only did I have a child in the past year and four months, um, and going through watching her emerge, but I'm super excited to bring what I know about career into, um, how you parent a child to grow up valuing themselves for who they are. So that's, that's very exciting. And, and thinking for themselves as well. That's one thing I think I've, I've been given some thought into myself is like, how do I bring my daughter up to think for herself? And uh, okay, great. Right, I look forward to hearing about that. And please let me know yeah. when that happens because I'll be watching because... <laughs> it's going to uh, take a little while. I'm still, <laughs> I'm pretty busy, busy with the genius habit as it is, yeah. but I think this is like three or four years down the road and I'm starting to do research, but there's there's so much there. So I'm I'm, mm. I'm excited to kind of dabble in that as over the over the next year or so wonderful thank you so much for jumping on with us it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you laura thank you so much 
Thank you, Laura. Thank you, listeners. Go to lauragarnett.com to check out all the information about her book, The Genius Habit. And anything we've spoken about today, you can check in our show notes, themanbits.com forward slash 102. And we're posting all this over social media as well, so all the links are in there. Also, share the love if you like this podcast. Share it with your friends. I mentioned I'll be talking about a course. It's called Optimal Living. It's on Udemy, and we've got a massive discount I'll throw the link in the show notes today, but I'll talk more about it in the next episode as well. See you on the flip side. Ciao for now.